our scripture this morning is from Colossians, and I would invite you to keep in mind that when you see these letters in the New Testament, like Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, uh, these books of the Bible are actually letters, most of them written by a guy named Paul, who started churches in those places. So Colossians is a letter to a people in a place called Colossae. So I just bring that up as we're hearing uh, an extended passage this morning to think about that this is a pastor who helped start a church, uh, maybe around the age of our church, who has since uh, gone on somewhere else. In fact, many people think this letter from Paul was written while he was in prison. Uh, he was imprisoned for his, his faith and, and his faith in Jesus. And so this is coming from the heart of someone who knows the people there uh, and is calling them uh, deeper into this life with Jesus. So uh, this is Colossians chapter 3. Again, it's just a little bit longer than we usually read, but I have a feeling it's, uh, it's the best, best thing you'll hear today. So just sit back, relax. There are 16 verses of Colossians, <laughs> which sounded like a great idea on Tuesday. Um, it is. I'm just being silly. It, it is a fantastic idea that I had on Tuesday. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There was a time uh, when you used to have to set your watch more regularly than we do now. Uh, sometimes you had to wind your watch. Most of our watches do not require setting or winding uh, anymore. But there was a time where we had to change your clocks, at least more frequently than we do now. Most of you use your smartphone as your timepiece, which uh, changes for you automatically, even when the time changes or you cross over a time zone. But imagine with me, if you will, a day long, long ago when uh, everything wasn't changed by your smartphone and you had to set your watch. If you didn't set your watch correctly, you would find out very soon. That's my main point in, in telling you about this. You didn't wait a long, long time to realize that you were operating on the wrong time. The moment you drove to work, you would begin to look around and the surroundings would look different, right? 
The traffic patterns would look different. When you arrived at work, you would know immediately that you were either late for work or early for work. We always have folks here when the time changes that show up, uh, whenever, whichever one it is, you know, and they'll show up an hour early for church. They're very sad and it's very awkward, you know, because <laughs> no one is here. So there is this understanding that if you set your watch correctly, things will go pretty well for you. If you don't set your watch, then you will find out about it very soon. And what you'll find out is that now everything is off. This scripture in Colossians chapter three, Paul says that you need to set your hearts. And what he says that we're supposed to set our hearts on is Christ who is above. And so it's a really simple understanding. Doesn't go into a whole lot of detail necessarily about what that means. But if you could get something this morning, it would be that God is saying to you, you need to every day set your heart where above. The next verse he says, you need to set your mind. Well, where are we supposed to set our mind, Paul? He says, well, usually we have our mind set on our earthly nature, like what we can see and what we feel here. He says, no, every day you need to set your mind, where do we need to set it? Above, <laughs> above where it is. You may have come in here this morning and, and just do a heart check, right? Do a mind check. Where is my heart set right now? Where is my mind set right now? Most of us would probably say, it's not above, <laughs> at that person who is in the car with me, right? Or whatever it is. And if you can relate to any part of realizing that your heart and mind are not set correctly, like me, you know, if you can be like, yeah, how does that happen? How can I be 10 minutes at work and already be like, why am I thinking like this? Why am I talking like this? How can I be one day into fall break and everything already be off? If you can relate to that, I think you're really going to like as we explore through 16 verses of Colossians chapter 3 about what a pastor would say to a new church that found itself in a deeply divided age. Here's what Paul says. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. He says, you've been raised too. Jesus died and was, was risen from the grave. You too. So set your minds above since then set your hearts but paul says to do that you are going to have to put some things to death what what would we put to death he says you need to put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature now some of you right now can think of you're like i know what that is for me right you know who you are like like i know what that thing is in me for me that needs to be put to death i had somebody come a couple weeks ago to me at the end of church says i need I know that there's something in me that needs to be put to death. I need to, I need to end to this, and we pray. You may be that exact way. You're carrying that thing. I know this needs to go away. I know this needs to die. Or you might be saying, if everything that's according to my earthly nature has to be put to death, then that's gonna be like all of me. <laughs> to which Paul would say, yes. Happy Sunday, guys. This is the... This <laughs> Paul says to people he knows, all right, this is like sort of like me talking to you, you know? This is not, not someone who's never been around. It's like, I love you, I know you. Paul, just to help them jog their mind, gives them a list of things to think about. He's like, if you can't think of what you might need to put to death, let me give you some options. He says sexual immorality, it's gotta go. Impurity, it's gotta go. Lust, it's gotta go. Greed, it's gotta go. Evil desires, it's gotta go. But then he keeps going. And you're like, I would not want this guy to be my pastor, right? He says, it's also your bad temper and irritability and meanness. Talking bad about other people. I mean, he actually says that. That's, that's 
a translation of the, of the next line of things he says that have to go. My bad temper, my irritability, my meanness, dirty talk, talking bad about other people. This becoming love thing is going to affect everything. I mean, I planned this sermon for the middle part of fall break and you still filled up the room. I was hoping, you know, no one would be here for this one, right? This is no fun. Or is it the thing that's really going to set us free? Paul says, you have to take off your old self with its practices and you have to put on a new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of its creator. It's not as if there's no hope. It's saying, no, actually, you have access daily to renewal in Christ Jesus. So every day you can set your mind. Every day you can set your heart. And Paul says it's here that there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. It's here. Where? In the place where the people of God are setting their minds and hearts above, above what the world's saying, above the discourse of everybody else, above the the prevailing way of, of talking and acting. No, it's above that, and it's here that all the divisions go away. Paul says, try to imagine the most divided people. Just try to, try to picture our most divided situation. For them, it was Gentile or Jew. There was no more clear demarcation of any group of people. These were the people of God, and these people were not the people of God. The circumcised or the uncircumcised. The people that had the sign of the people of God or the ones who had no trace of the lineage of God's people He says, picture that. And he says, right here in that place where we're setting our hearts and minds, those divisions go away. In Christ, all that division goes away. He says, it's like slave or free in their Roman culture would have been a place of great division. I mean, you would know everything was affected by whether you were in this camp or in this camp. And Paul says, but here, all that goes away. Paul says, though, right now, and he's like, I know you guys, you're my church. He says, right now, We have our minds and hearts set on the things of this earth. We're backbiting and slandering and mean. So can you imagine if Paul could see Facebook? Can you imagine his letter? (laughs) If Paul had been, instead of writing to the church of Colossae, he was writing to us? That's how we should read it, right? Not as a historical document per se, but as something that God might have to say us so I just wondered what divisions would he notice or what would he call us out for would he call us out for being divided racially being divided politically being divided economically you fill in the blank it seems to me that he would probably call us out for our meanness our nastiness for getting angry so quickly and so often everybody else is talking about it can't we talk about it here Everybody else is talking about, why are we talking like this in every sphere? Because here, Paul says, as God's chosen people, you're being called above. You're being called, he says, to a higher standard. If you're, if you're one who say, I want to follow Christ, then you're being called to a higher standard. What is it? It's as God's chosen people. So that's the foundation. Holy and dearly loved. You're loved by God. This is the standard. Clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He goes on to say that we're supposed to bear with each other, like go through hard stuff together, 
Forgive each other. Forgive each other's grievances. These are the signs of the followers of Christ. Verse 14, he says, and over all of these virtues, like those things are good, right? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. He says, over all those virtues, put on love. It's love that binds them all together in perfect unity. So if unity, if you came here this morning, like unity is something your heart longs for, it comes by putting love on over all the other stuff. If you come this morning and unity is not something you're longing for, I would ask you to set your heart above. I would ask you to set your mind above. So what does that mean? It means we can even carry good things, but as Christ followers, we put on love over everything. So you may be Republican, put on love over that. You may be Democrat, put love on over that. You may be in the upper middle class, put on love over that. You may be from a long time from a working class family, put on love over that. You may be white, you may be black, put on love over that. Not to take those things away or not to even for other people to see those things, of course. But we wear love over that. Verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace. What are we called to as God's people? To peace. We're not called to get it right all the time. We're not called to have it all figured out. But we are called to have hearts of peace. A brother in Christ called me last week. He told me that I had said something that hurt him. He told me that he felt I had said something that was out of turn. uh, Something that was not said carefully. And he was right. As soon as he began talking, talking to me, I knew where we were headed and I admitted that to him and I asked him to forgive me. And he said, oh, he said, don't worry. He said, I've already forgiven you. I love you, bro. He said, that's why I called you. He said, I wanted to talk it through so we could move on and stay together. And I was so surprised uh, by that, not from him being kind, but just in the midst of this world that I was just so surprised by kindness and humility that he'd pick up the phone, gentleness with me, patience, I was so surprised, you know, he wasn't talking bad about me behind my back. He was talking to me. He was calling me and offering forgiveness. And what he was calling me to was to set my mind and my heart above. You know, what we might call that phone call, it was an admonishment, right? Hey man, you messed up. You said something that hurt me. You said something that wasn't said carefully. And if I've done that to you, I I ask for your forgiveness as well. But we don't do that much anymore, right? We don't do admonishment <laughs> that much, do we? Like, let people correct us. Um, if you're like me, you know, it's usually met with defensiveness, um, maybe rudeness. In verse 16 of chapter 3, Paul says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. You know, that we could take correction. And so as he called me, I saw it. I had to work. I had to set my mind. I had to set my heart to be humble and receive it, to listen. The reason I share uh, this message with you with excitement is because once you know what it looks like, once we know what it looks like to, to live and move with people that are love, our whole way of acting would, will be different. We won't want to bash people with our words or have petty arguments. There won't be racism or sexism. We won't discriminate or look down on others because of their state in life or anything because our minds will be set higher than that. Because in Christ, that stuff doesn't exist. Can you imagine? I've tried to imagine the beauty of the people living like God's chosen people. What would that look like? 
in the midst of a world that doesn't yet know perfect love? What would it look like? I love to imagine what it would look like if, if we caught God's vision for how we could live like love. A lady after this last service, she caught me. She said, you have a very big imagination. <laughs> and I think it was a compliment. I'm not sure. <laughs> I was just sitting down there thinking, I was like, I think that was a compliment. Because I think Christ gives us a big imagination that we, we could imagine um, a different way. But to do so, we have to set our hearts and we have to set our minds. Like every day, I think. You have to start your day and set your heart on Jesus. You have to start your day and set your mind on Jesus. If you don't set it really soon, you'll realize it because things will be off and then you can set it again. Uh, it made me think of a song I heard when I was a kid. It was uh, written in the 1960s, recorded later by George Harrison, where he said, I've got my mind set on you. Y'all remember that one? No? Okay, it's fine. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Do you want me to sing it for you? Okay. Traveling Wilburys, Margie says. I've got my mind set on you. I've got my mind set on you. And then he says, it's going to take, remember, time, a whole lot. Don't, let's not record, record this one uh, for, the, uh, for the podcast. He says, it's going to take a lot of precious time. It's going to take patience and time to do it right. So I think we're going to have to be kind to ourselves, take time, And as we set our hearts and minds, we have to say it in the morning. We have to remind each other. We have to pray it. We have to sing it. This verse says, admonish one another with songs and psalms and spiritual songs. A part of what we're doing here this morning is setting our hearts and setting our minds, right? We come here on Sunday morning to set our hearts and to set our minds. And in doing that, you'll have to put some things to death. Some things will have to go away. I mentioned praying with a young man after church a couple of weeks ago. He came to me and he said, I heard you say that I need to put some things to death. In my mind, I was thinking, I didn't say anything about putting things to death. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes people will come and say to me things that I said in in a sermon, which I didn't say. Sometimes they're even better than what I said, right? And I thought, how could that happen? Well, here's one way it could happen. He could have been here and set his mind and his heart above. He could have been listening and connecting with God. And God could have been speaking to him Remember in John, 1 John chapter 4, it says, if you acknowledge Jesus as the son of God, God lives in you and you in God. And so you could hear from God. And so he was speaking to me something here from God. He told me something that needed to be put to death. And we prayed here that it would be put to death in Jesus' name. Through Jesus' death, that it could be put to death. But sometimes, you know, I think about him, he'll have to do that over and over and over again if it's something you're really struggling with. Because sometimes instead of putting things to death, we just put them to sleep. (laughs) And they go to sleep for a little while. A few nights ago, Rachel uh, came to me. I was laying on the couch. She said, hey, will you put the dogs up before you go to bed? And I was like, why don't you put the dogs up? (laughs) Your leg's broken, (laughs) you know? Um, (laughs) But my mind wasn't right, (laughs) okay? My heart was not right. And I, I realized my legs would be broken, if I didn't uh, get up. But I went outside. It was dark. My dogs were out. I opened up the gate. They w- we have a fenced-in backyard, and the dogs went in the back, and I was coming back across our patio outside of the garage. I saw this animal laying on the, on the patio, and I looked. It was a, it was a possum. 
And clearly he had been in one or both of my dog's mouths for a long time. He was just, he looked terrible, you know? I was like, oh gosh, you know, they killed a possum. And then I looked and he was breathing. So I walked up and I gave him one last glance before I shut the garage door. And as I I walked up, he goes. And he just walked uh, nonchalantly back into the woods. Now I thought about, this maybe is where she was talking about my imagination. <laughs> I, thought about, I thought about Zeke and Cody, who are my golden retrievers, who are in the backyard. They were getting ready for bed, you know. And I can picture them together just celebrating the conquest of this possum. You know, I can picture them uh, just high-fiving, thinking, Armstrong boys done killed them a possum tonight. <laughs> just so happy with themselves. And while my guys are back there celebrating their conquest of the possum, that possum woke up and walked right back out into the woods. And I thought, how often do I put something to death thinking that I conquered it and really all I did was set it down? All I did was put it to sleep. Paul says, this is more than that. These things, you're going to have to put them to death. And it can be done because of Jesus' death. So today, guys, review Paul's list if you need to, to jog your mind. He's got a list there of things that might be your thing or it might be something else. But that stuff can actually die through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. It doesn't have to be something that, that, that has power over you every day. But it probably will mean every day you have to set your mind on God, set your heart on Christ. So after you put it to death, after you rid yourselves, after you've taken off anger, after you've taken off greed, after you've taken off lying, Paul says, I mean, this is the metaphor he uses, he says, you're gonna have to put on some new clothes. And then when we put on new clothes, like my friend had on when he called me, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. With those new clothes on, then the division can go away. It's only in wearing those things can we then come across and be unified with other people. And we are the ones who can do it. The Jesus followers, we're the ones who can change our culture, but it won't be by wearing what they wear. It won't be by mimicking what they say. It will, by, it will be by wearing our Jesus clothes, just walking around in these, these clothes. I went to the Atlanta Braves playoff game last Sunday after church. I love the Atlanta Braves. I have since I was a little boy, and I was so excited to go to the first playoff game at SunTrust Park. Rachel and I left right after church, but before we got on the interstate, I went home. Do you know why I went home? I had to change my clothes. And I put on my Freddie Freeman jersey. Now, Freddie Freeman is the starting first baseman, I know you know this, of the Atlanta Braves, okay? I love Freddie Freeman. My dad got me a Freddie Freeman jersey just like his. So I'm like a grown man wearing another grown man's (laughs) jersey. And I felt great about that. I got to Atlanta I walked in, the place was electric, right? It was packed. There was a moment early in the game when Ronald Acuna Jr., y'all paying attention? Ronald Acuna Jr., he's our rookie phenom. He comes up, bases loaded, and hits a grand slam to take us from up one to nothing to five to nothing. I know y'all are watching it, but I'm just walking you back, walking you back through it. The place went nuts. We start, we start just high-fiving. I high-five this college student behind me, an old dude, a black guy, a Hispanic lady. We're just all high-fiving and none of that mattered because we were all wearing the same clothes and we were all cheering for the same team. And then the dreaded 
Los Angeles Dodgers tied the game. It went from 5-0 to 5-5. Rachel had gone to get a hot dog. While she was gone, it went from 5-0 to 5-5. I was like, you can't leave your seat. We didn't come here to eat. Act like you've done this before. And that was when Freddie Freeman came to bat. And Freddie Freeman jacked a first pitch slider over the right field wall 400 feet. And we went up. And the place where the energy had been so low and the confidence gone, it all came back. We started high-fiving again. And there was this guy two seats down from me. I tried to talk to him earlier, but we couldn't talk. He, uh, he didn't speak English well. I didn't speak Spanish well. Uh, but in that moment, he looks over at me, and this is what he does. He turns his back to me, and he points at his back. He's wearing Freddie Freeman jersey, right? He's just going like this. And Freddie, you know, is rounding the, the basis, and this is what he, he gets this out to me. He said, he's my guy, right? I'm over here, and I was like, he's my guy you know we're both pointing and then we just start hugging his wife's in the middle we're just embracing you know because we feel this connection to each other because we're wearing the same thing and now we realize that our team is going to win it's time for those who follow Jesus to put on love over everything else to wear the same thing when we leave this place And to see other people and you see them showing compassion and you say, I'm wearing it too. You see someone extending kindness to the one no one else is showing kindness to and you do it too. You say, same team, I'm wearing the same thing. We humble ourselves in the midst of our debates and our disagreement and in humbling ourselves before someone else, they humble themselves and they say, I follow Christ too. What would it look like if above everything else, we put on love? We just wore love over over all those other things. That's how they're going to know us. So don't despair. You don't have to join in uh, any of the the whining sessions. You You can shine light in places instead. There was another song written in the 1960s that said this. And it said, we are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord, and we pray that all unity will one day be restored and they will know that we're Christians by our love. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. The only way they're gonna know us is by our love. Let us pray. God, thank you for a simple, beautiful scripture that would speak to us deep unto deep, spirit unto spirit. We pray that you would help us be the people who clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience in the way of Christ. And so we come to communion now, remembering Christ's sacrifice for us. His broken body symbolized in this broken bread. His blood shed for us for the forgiveness of sins and for the forgiveness of sins for many not just us. And so in the cup of juice, we remember Christ's blood shed for us in the bread, his broken body, and we receive it as a way of receiving Christ. Let us live like Jesus 
as we leave this place. It's in his name we pray. Amen.